Hi, I'm Alexandra Roxo, your host of the Holy Fuck Podcast. I've created this podcast because I want to explore how the mystical touches us in our everyday lives, how the sacred and the profane move together, like two sides of the same coin. I found that personally, the most magical view I can choose of life is when I find the divinity, the healing, and the transformation in all of life. In this podcast, you can expect to hear inspiring conversations and storytelling that touch the heart and awaken the soul. This is a place for the modern seeker, passionate human, and curious explorer. A place where we can redefine what is sacred and what is profane, and just have the courage to open to it all. A place where we can step out of the mainstream programming and choose what stories, beliefs, and rituals we hold sacred and true. On this podcast, you're going to hear from people on all sorts of walks of life, sharing what they're passionate about, what keeps them awake at night, what they consider to be sacred, what they consider to be profane, how they have explored life and freed their hearts and souls through love and spiritual practice, art, meditation, sex, drugs, birthing, prayer, just experiencing life in all of its wild tragedies and comedies. Plus, ideas, explorations, advice, and truths from me on sex, relationships, spirituality, and what it means to be a human on this planet at this time. If you found that you're also a rebel mystic who doesn't fit into the flattened ideas of good and bad and spirituality, but sees the nuance that life has to offer us, then I hope you find a home with me here in this podcast. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. On today's podcast, I have a really magical, visionary, almost alien human, if that makes sense. Her name is Gabriella Herstick, and she is a an author, a ritualist. She's someone who really lives her soul, if that makes sense. Gabby and I met back in Los Angeles. She was at my birthday party a few years ago where we did snake dancing. She also wrote an article about a retreat I did where we did Japanese rope suspension for healing and our relationship has spanned years. We start by jumping right into the conversation about magic, Gabby's work as an author, and so much more. Enjoy. So good to see you. I love that I got to like see you in this part of your journey where you're living with your love in a new place. Like, oh, I remember when I just met you and we were, I don't know, it's beautiful seeing this like part of your, of your story come to fruition and seeing you so happy makes me happy. Thank you. It's crazy. It's like, I mean, it's not crazy. It's life, right? Like one thing I, I just like... I think about how nowadays we have kind of made ourselves into gods and goddesses. And part of that is beautiful. And part of it is like us kind of acting as if everything we do in life is a product of our own will. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, no, this is the, like, this is soul contracts that were made before we came. And this is like the will of the, the will of the greater good. It's not just your personal will. That's, you know, so it's funny because I feel like, um, some sort of like new age programming. It's like, I created it. I manifested it. And I'm like, I'm sure my partner, I'm sure we had a contract ahead of time that was already resolved. Like I can't, you know, 
I can take responsibility for doing the healing work to get my heart ready to receive the love like that. I can take full responsibility for But I'm not going to sit here and say like, you know, I did it, you know, like I, and, and it's, I think that's just like a part of us becoming really powerful as humans is actually owning our, our capability to, to perform magic, to manifest, to change consciousness at will. But I think that also can play so much into the ego. It's yeah, like absolutely. an excuse. And it yeah. can be very like something that like separates you because you're like, Oh, I can do all of these things and I'm the center of my own universe. And it's, yeah. One of the rituals I practice every day, like the, the beginning part of it is, called the Kabbalistic cross. And like the whole point of it is to align your will represented by like, you know, the horizontal line with the divine will of like the vertical line. And I feel like that's like what that kind of divine union that you seem to have is it's where it's both what you've done and also like what you've done past just this life, which could also be like your own will, but it's like a bigger kind of part of like your will that is one with the divine will, it seems like. Yeah, I love how you just put that. Are you studying the Kabbalah now as part of your magic practice? Yeah, I've been studying. So I study um, what's called Hermetic Kabbalah. So it's more along like the Western mystery traditions and that current. I've been studying it for a few years, but um, since quarantine started, so like last March, I've like really, really been going deep into it. And um, it's become a big part of my practice. I work a lot with oh. the Tree of Life, a lot with the Tarot, the Hebrew letters, um, and it feels very healing because I, you know, have some, I had a lot of wounds around uh, just growing up Jewish and knowing that I wasn't Jewish and kind of what felt like being forced into that. Um, so this is both honors the, the tree of life as a glyph of, you know, Jewish mysticism as a living, living egregore, but also isn't, um, doesn't work within like the religious confines of Judaism. So it's felt really beautiful. Like I've, I've been able to connect to that part of myself and work with Hebrew and work with the, you know, different levels of the tree, um, in a way that feels really resonant. So it's been lovely. Oh, that's awesome. I actually went to, so I just moved to Boulder and yeah. I just, I went to a ritual that was like based in, Hermetic and Egyptian um, oh, tree of life. Amazing. And I believe the teacher is a woman named Isis. I love her. She's um, Isis Andrea or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. She seems cool. Sorry if we butchered yeah. your name if it's, you're listening. <laughs> um, it's Academy of Oracle Arts. They're like the sister school to the school that I attend in LA. So I'm familiar Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed um, the ritual space. And to be completely honest, and I say this just because everyone listening, there's so many different practices, schools and traditions out there. And obviously not everything's for everyone. Um, but I definitely felt like it was a lot of... Um, it was a little heady for me. Oh, it's the, that tradition, the ceremonial tradition is so heady. If I, I never ever anticipated studying it because of that. And it's so, yeah. it's really masculine in a lot of ways. A lot exactly. of the, the yeah. teachers, um, the authors, the occultists, the magicians that have popularized it are all, are all male. And the, a lot of it is, is incredibly heady. The, really the reason that I got into it was because of my teacher, Naha, um, who's a woman and who really like makes it very accessible. Um, but I definitely, I totally feel that. And I feel like that's yeah. why, um, sex magic and embodiment and goddess worship are also like such, they've always been a huge, huge part of my practice, but especially now as I dive into like that kind of, 
more um, structured, more masculine, I guess. Tradition. You have to balance it out. I have to balance it out. Absolutely. Who were the dudes who made this that lineage popular? Um, so like, was it like Alistair Crowley? Yeah, okay. like him. And then like Israel Rigardi was like one of his. Well, he was his secretary and his student. But really, a lot of the the Hermetic um, Order of the Golden Dawn, which was around England in like the late 1800s, early 1900s, are the ones who popularized the form of Hermetic Kabbalah that um, is popular now. And honestly, all kind of Western occult, Western esoteric traditions like stem back to that even. And Crowley too. He's a huge reason it's really popular. Um, they were the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was the first occult order to accept women though, which is cool. Oh, that's cool. So, and yeah. were they connected to um God, why is the word the mate like the Freemasons and stuff? Um, they somewhat. So they definitely have like the lodge is kind of organized in a similar structure where there's like levels and like you get different initiations and get different degrees, which is Masonic. Um, and then like from the or from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, from a, like past after that time and a little when Alistair Crowley's was Alistair Crowley was kind of popularizing his magic. Um, the OTO order temple orientis, um, kind of came from that. And that's like a, a sex magic order that works within the tradition of Alistair Crowley's religion. And that was like super based on a, a different, um, like Masonic orders and, and that kind of thing, like the Freemasons, but the Hermetic order of the golden dawns, like magic isn't super based in masonry, but I do, but the structure is, um, uh. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of like women that have come out of it. Dion Fortune is a huge author. Right. And I voice. quoted her in my book. I love that. She's, quote. Yeah, she's great. She's great. Um, but it is, it's a very, it's very heady. So I'm, I'm still navigating my way through that yeah. kind of current. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, I think preference for different yeah, people entering absolutely. into different things. And I mean, one of my favorite favorites of that, like, I think in my twenties, I, I had a boyfriend who, he wasn't like a Crowleyite, but he like, you know, talked about Alistair Crowley a lot. <laughs> we had a lot of books around this when I was living in Seattle. Um, but at that time, I also learned about Kenneth Anger, who was an incredible experimental filmmaker, or is rather, and um, who was also was a part of the Brotherhood of the Golden Dawn, right? Or, he was, he's a Thelemite. So he followed the religious philosophy of Aleister Crowley. And he was like one of Aleister Crowley's students and um, Kenneth Grant's students. So he like took Crowley's kind of magic and, um, and transformed it in his own way um, with the help of this other, other guy named Kenneth Inger, who kind of also took Thelema and transformed it and worked a lot with like tantric ideas. And yeah, Kenneth Inger is incredible. He's really a, a really amazing artist. His films are super inspiring. Yeah. There's so much ritual there. And I know that you're, you're really into ritual and I'm really into ritual in different ways. And I've had mm -hmm. different phases where they've been more theatrical. Like when mm -hmm. I, when I was like, and I may have told you this because we've had long discussions before, but when I was with that same boyfriend um, in Portland and Seattle, we did this ritual in a like abandoned warehouse where we were both naked and we had these, did I, have I told you this? Mm -mm. And we had these pig hearts um, and we covered them in fake blood. Were they real pig hearts? Yeah, real pig hearts. Amazing. 
and we um we we got a series of like big butcher knives and so we did this all in like a stop motion slide film and so it looked like i was pushing the knife into his heart oh, oh my god do you hear that thunder <laughs> uh, the witches have united i'm like it's been a sunny day and it's like raining <laughs> now and the thunder's here but it looked like I pushed the knife into his heart because we sawed off like a few knives to make oh, it look cool. like, you know, and then like I stuck my hand in and pulled out this dripping blood heart. Amazing. And so there's like photos of us both naked standing, holding, you know, each other's hearts. And at first I was going to do this, this ritual where I took a um, needle and thread and kind of just sewed them back and forth together for a long period of time. But after, but I realized I didn't think I wanted to stay together. Like we were kind of getting on the rocks a little. So I was like, I'm not going to cast that kind of a spell. Yeah. So instead, I I got tons of white feathers and I um just put poked them into the hearts. Amazing. He and I both poked them into the hearts, and then we just held these hearts with like all like raw meat with all these white feathers and it was such a beautiful piece and I played um so I ended up playing it as a film but it was slide film so it looks like stop motion mm -hmm. and um and the song your heart is so loud by Colleen which is such a beautiful song mm -hmm. she's a French artist um it sounds like a music box and um mm. we and then it ended up showing in um, a film festival at a theater in Seattle, like after we broke up and I was so glad that I didn't weave our hearts together, but yeah, <laughs> oh, it sounds so beautiful. Yeah. That I had, but you know, anyway, I've made a lot of art with ritual, maybe a little bit la less in the last, you know, kind of phase of my life, but I know you have as well. And I'd love to just give people a little bit of background. I mean, we're kind of diving into the deep here and I know you have all these other parts of your public persona. Um, so like whatever feels alive now and, and what you're working on and I actually really like that like we're I'm not just showing the the probably the basic questions that people would ask me yeah yeah me too no I love this question because it's something <laughs> that's been really inspiring me um yeah my artistic my artistic expression or my art that I create um really over the past five years since I've been LA has been rooted in devotion um, to the goddess and to the goddesses that I work with. I'm devoted to the goddesses of love and lust. I have a few that I work with very intimately. And part of that process um, is creating art. So when I first- Can I interrupt you really yeah. quick and be annoying? So can you tell people what it means to work with a goddess? Because yes. I know what that means for me. You probably have your own definition, but I think a lot of people out there are- I feel like it's it's such a, um, an abstract concept. So I'd yeah. love to hear that before you keep going. Of course. So I feel like the word, my friend Amelia says this, she's like, I she um, she's the one that brought it up. The idea of like working with the goddess, it's like kind of a weird word because it's like, I'm not like going to the office and like hanging out with this <laughs> deity. I mean, like work is not the right word, but um, maybe the right word would be like venerate, worship, um, honor. So for me, when I say that I work with the goddess, I mean that I'm in service to different deities. And the goddesses that I am pledged to or that I have devoted myself to are all goddesses of love and lust. Mm. Um, so I work with them. What I mean by that is that I I worship them. I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in service to these goddesses. I am, feel like that is my purpose here is to be in service to the goddess, um, to awaken that current through glamour, through the body, through magic, through sexuality. Mm. Um, and my devotion is multifaceted. Part of it is artistic expression as an offering, a lot like very 
typical common and through line with worshiping any kind of deity is, you know, offering them something. It's like when you're in a friendship, it's not just take, it's give and take. And it's kind of the same with these relationships with these, these deities. So for me, that looks like daily prayer. That looks like buying them roses or flowers. Roses Mm. are just sacred to the goddesses of love Mm -hmm. um, and the goddesses I work with. It means meditation, um, devotional work. And what I mean by that is long form rituals with a specific intention um, as a form of like prayer, as a form of communion and as a form of, of devotion to these, to these goddesses. So it's both um, exoteric in the way that, you know, I'm doing these things outside of myself, lighting candles, saying prayers, journaling, speaking to them. And then it's also esoteric where it's like, I communicate with them. I, I invoke them. So I both, invite them into my body and connect with them through their consciousness, um, through ritual and yeah, a lot of spell work ritual. Um, and in my case, a lot of sex magic and, um, sacred adornment. So dressing myself in a way that helps Mm. body and, um, connect with these goddesses and then, um, creating art because art is just of the heart. And it's, um, I, I use myself as a muse as a way to both honor, reflect, or and embody um, these goddesses that I'm devoted to. Mm. I love that so much. And thanks for letting me interrupt you. And um, I'll, we'll get back on that train. Don't worry about it. Before we get back on that train, um, I just had this thought like, Wow, it's a part of part of the, one of the many things that bums me out about modern culture um, is that we've become so like um, entrenched in science that. I feel like people are wanting, like people want a transactional approach to everything in reality. And so it's like, um, okay, well, if I can't see this goddess, then how do I know that this ritual is being heard or this prayer is being heard? Or, you know, if I don't, if I can't feel it or if I don't hear it and, and it, it bums me out so much. And I feel like someone like you is holding this like torch for, um, even even a, a a perception an internal mental perception of reality consciousness um that is beyond just like fact fiction science and so i'm so glad cuz it's so boring honestly to just be like oh i take everything at face value i believe only what science says it's like do you have, do you know anything about like love and poetry, like, mm-hmm. or art? It's like, or nature even like there's just, we don't, there's so many things that are just like incomprehensible to our minds. And mm-hmm. so hearing you talk about like ritual art, magic, it's a practice where you're devoting yourself to something that you, it's like you, you have to have, there's like a gap of, of faith. There's yes, like absolutely. a faith leap. That anyone who's engaging in this has to like take that leap of faith and go, I can't see Venus standing in my bedroom, but in my heart somewhere, there's like a a little tiny flame of knowing or recognition. And I'm willing to give that like the center stage and let that be enough. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that compliment. That means the world's coming from you. Um, Yeah. You can't like think your way to the goddess. You just can't, you can't. Mm -hmm do it. You can't like, yeah, exactly. You can't logically get there. I mean, you can contemplate. That's a big part of just like 
I feel like of any tradition and as somebody who grew up Jewish, we love to to think and to ask questions. So that's just something that I've always, and as an air sign, always been good at. I definitely ponder and question, but with her, it's like, you know, there are, there are a lot of practitioners, devotees who have more, um, physically psychic experiences. And what I mean by that is that maybe they, you know, hear they have auditory kind of perceptions with goddesses, or they may see her more. That's not how my psychicness works. For me, it's like you said, it's, it's a feeling and it's a feeling that I, it's, it's an understanding and it's, uh, I definitely feel it in my body. Like I will feel that energy. And when I'm doing a ritual of invocation or evocation, so either inviting the goddess, inviting my consciousness into her consciousness or inviting the goddess as a presence surrounding me, not necessarily within me. Like it is a shift and I feel it, but it is, it's like, uh, almost like I was describing this, I think the other day, um, it's almost like I exist in like space and you know how in space there's like that dark matter that we can't see, but it's everywhere. It's like, that's the goddess. I don't have to see her, but I feel it. And there, there is a, a level of faith because it's not something that I could prove. I mean, that, that's also a thing that I feel like every magician, occultist, mystic comes upon at some point is this idea that it's like, I don't want to waste my time proving to anybody that these things exist. Because if you, if you were to practice these practices, if you were to do the prayers, you would know it. And it's just like, I write my work so people can have those firsthand or I, I share work share my writing so people can have those experiences firsthand. But I think that this, you know, for me, like such one of my favorite words as of, as of late and one of the central core tenets in my practice with the goddess is devotion and to be devoted to something is like you said, it's not transactional. Like there's definitely things I need that I'll approach goddess for, but I've just reached this point very thankfully, very, you know, definitely a privileged point is like, even my magical practice, my practice with witchcraft, my practice with goddesses that I work with, it's not, um, I'm not really as interested in manifestation anymore. I'm just, I'm not. I, I'm. Holy shit. Do you hear that? <laughs> oh my God, that was. <laughs> I hear that. Going. That was like a thunderclap that lasted like, I don't know, 10 seconds. <laughs> I honestly, like, I haven't heard thunder in so long, and I love thunder. I'm, like, tearing up right now because I'm, like, oh, my God. My partner just texted me from the stairs. <laughs> He's probably texting me. Holy shit. We both. Goddess said hello. She did say hello. <laughs> so, anyway, sorry to, to interrupt you there, but um, you were saying um, that you – and I want to really make sure we we don't miss this point. You are saying that you no longer feel the need for manifestation. Yeah, I'm at a point in my practice with, like, my devotion and with my magical practice, my practice with witchcraft, where, like, manifestation is – it's still something I'll do. Like, I – you know, like, I'm not – if I need something, I need something. Or if there's something that I really long for, like, you know, I'll find a way to make it happen. But it's not really, like – it's not something I do regularly really at all. It's just, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I think part of that is just being at like a point in my, my life and my career where I'm like happy with things. I'm lucky enough that like I can support myself financially, have a home, like all my needs are taken care of. And I just, when I approach the goddess, it's not for something. And if it's for something, it's 
it's to embody her more or to know myself in a new way or to Mm. give myself to her in a new way. It's not Mm -hmm. so much like you mentioned transactional, like there was, you know, like uh, one of the goddesses I work with, it's a teacher that I was, I guess I was on her mailing list. She was like, here's this money spell that you can do with this goddess. And it's like, I, I think that's great, but it's just like approaching a deity for like approaching, especially this goddess, who's a goddess, a very, very intense goddess, a dark goddess. Like if it just, it, it doesn't resonate with me to just be like, oh, I'm going to worship this goddess because I need something. Like at the end of the day, your devotion is still a relationship. Like, you know, this idea of as above, so below, or that which is above is, is like that, which is below, like, when I worship the goddess, that must mean that she also worships me or that she Uh. sees herself in me. And what that, for me, what that means is that it's a, it's a, there's a sense of reciprocity. Like I learn from her as she learns about the human experience through me. And like there, there's, you know, give and take there. It's a relationship. I'm not just going to keep asking my friend for something without offering them anything. It's like, I'm not going to sustain that relationship. So, yeah. you know, some people are like, deities are not your friends. You don't have relationships with them. And they're like, then what do you have? Like, uh, like, uh, are they like your employees or something? Like it's, it's still something larger than yourself, but that idea of relationship, I feel like it's like a, it's like the infinity sign. It's like, um, right, 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 you know, right. it's balanced. Yeah. And I feel like it's just so outside of the Western mind, whereas like when I was traveling in India and Nepal, it's like people are constantly giving offerings and not just because they're like, okay, I'm going to put this one flower down for Ganesh today and tomorrow Ganesh is going to remove this obstacle. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, someone may be doing that for 10 years before Ganesh even starts to remove the obstacle. And like, that's, that's like, okay, that's it. That's the karma. That's the process. Um, Yeah. And I mean, I love what you said, and I just think it's important for everyone listening to hear, I don't, because I feel like it's a liberation is like, I don't need to manifest so much if my basic needs are cared for. So, and the thing is, if your basic needs aren't cared for, then maybe instead of sitting at home to manifest, like do the practical around those, you know what I mean? You need both. You need both. Absolutely. It's like, if it's the basic needs and it's like, okay, then like, how do I create like a stable body and finances for myself? I mean, this, those are, those are big things and it could be really big karma for somebody. And, um, you know, it's like, where does the rubber hit the road with that? And with manifestation, I, I feel like there's just the word, maybe it's cause it says man at the top. <laughs> well, manifestation instead or something. Yeah. 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 But, but, um, but it feels less collaborative to yeah. me than like prayer. Prayer feels oh, collaborative. Yeah. Ritual feels collaborative. It's like, hey, I'm coming to nature and I'm like asking to work with the energy of this mm-hmm. water to create fluidity in my life, to create mm-hmm. flow, right? Or whatever it is, whatever the prayer ritual is versus like, I have manifested this. Like, yeah personally I feel like that comes from this same like me for me self-oriented mm-hmm. western mind culture individualistic like American dream and it's like it's the same thing but in a different outfit yeah absolutely whereas I like feel I feel that. like if you went to India or or um you know some places in Mexico where maybe you talk to some people that were devoted to a certain goddess or deity um 
it would be like, wait, what? Yeah. You want me to manifest what? Manifestation? Yeah. You want me yeah. to manifest a fancy car? And I mean, I drive a nice car, so like, I'm not dogging on bad on nice cars, you know, because if that's a par- important part of your karma, so be it. Um, but but there's something to kind of coming into a humble reverence to something outside of yourself or something that you're that extends beyond yourself. It doesn't even yeah. have to be outside of yourself. It's like can be an extension. Yeah. And and um and then how that has the ability to impact those around you. So it's like mm-hmm. having that prayer or ritual or spell and knowing, well, if I come into greater love in my own heart, how will that ripple out and impact those around me? Like, or if I like come into greater financial abundance and I can like have a home where I invite people and host parties and, and, you know, gatherings, like how might that impact other people instead of it just being like, I want to manifest the big house. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I feel like with, at least for me, with like my relationship with the, the goddess, the deities I work with, which I feel like is more Eastern. It's like, Devotion is really like a selfless act. Like you're not devoted to a goddess for anything except to become part of her consciousness or to become part of that energy or to be aware of it. Um, And there's trust that by doing that, what is meant for you will come to you. And what you just said about to to become a part of her consciousness is so potent because it's kind of like... It's kind of like you get to like walk. It's like you either you, you get to be like under the clo- her cloak with her, or you get to like sort of be invited into her garden, or like she sprays her like sort of magical mist on you, so you get to like kind of wear her essence a little bit, and that is fantastic feeling. It is the best, and um, I feel like you know this is something that I say. It's like the best love spell you can cast is becoming the vibration of love. Is opening your heart is just loving more. The more that you do that, the more that you're going to naturally become a magnet for that kind of energy. And I think that is like, at least for me, feels like a more aligned way of manifesting. It's like, okay, well, you know, like, I I mean, again, yeah, I've done, I've done plenty of magic where I've manifested things like my apartment, but it's just, I think for me, when it's, that's what you're doing every single new moon or when that's what you're doing every single, you know, like month, it's just like, there's ways to know yourself more deeply that will align you with what you need so you can get what you need when you need it without having to feel like you have to control it and call it in. And I think that like being in a co-collaborative relationship with the universe also means like a deep amount of surrender and trust because like things that won't, that don't serve you will be destroyed, but then that will, that void will open up and invite things that do serve you. And it's like, I mean, yeah, we do magic because we want to feel like we're in control. And at the end of the day, we're only in control of ourselves to a certain extent. And even then, like anybody who's ever had some kind of illness or knows somebody who's had some kind of chronic illness or intense trauma, trauma knows that that even that it's like we can only control so much. So I think that kind of like, like, I feel like surrender is a really big part of any devotional practice where you're surrendering to this presence that's bigger than you. But yeah, like you said, if if there is, you know, if you're practicing with reverence and with an open heart and, you know, doing so in a way that is aligned with the energy or the current or the deity that you're working with, like you will feel that protection and it, it's really mm. powerful and really beautiful. Yeah, I so, I so agree. And I mean, I felt it like 
I felt it a lot, especially like when I grew up in in, in Brazil. Like I think I wrote, maybe wrote about this in my book, but like my grandma would pray over me the rosary with her her friends, and um, and I I really felt the the power of that. And and then when I lived in Europe, I would sit in in chapels, and I would feel I would feel the the extension of um, of Mother Mary. And then when I went to Lourdes in France, which just happened to be my grandma's name, Lourdes, um, like the minute my feet sort of touched the ground there, I was felt so, I felt the vibration of all these people coming here and praying the same prayer. And the same when I was um, in Nepal, the, the, the stupa in Kathmandu, people just walk around the stupa all day and all night chanting the same mantra and it's just like those places it's like you can feel the energy like I, I again that was another place where I like I got there and I had to sit on the side of the road and sob and the amount of devotion and those people are like just coming to that place every day you know and in Lourdes a lot of people go asking for help help with their health but also, there's just people that are devotees to Mary or to, um, you know, to to the Buddhist tradition or to Krishna Arada. Like there, and it's so touching. It's so so touching. It's something that I definitely feel like we incarnated in the West for a reason, and um, we incarnated in the land of of the you know Big Mac devotees and the Walmart devotees. Yeah. And the, ball game devotees and not everybody's devoted to something it's just a lot of the time I feel like those devotion what we're devoted to is not conscious and I think there's a lot of power in reclaiming that and aligning yourself with something that you want to embody more of and um yeah also like when we when like these people that are saying the same chance these that are going to these places like all of those energies come together and like form like what I would call an egregore which is like um when multiple people's spirits energies focus on the same thing, it's like this energy becomes almost its own spirit or its own living force. And it's like, like the tree of life is an egregore. All the people that have worked with it for thousands of years and prayed to it, like, you know, like going to these places and feeling that kind of like, you feel that energy. It's almost like you're like within something like it's numinous, but it's also like you can, it's dense energy. So um, it's really powerful when we're when we're coming together from that place of devotion. Like it, it's very amplified, and you're able to tap into like all of those people on that path before you who have been there, who have prayed those prayers for thousands of years. It's it's really powerful. Hello. Okay. So I just want to take a quick break from the episode to share about one of my affiliate partners, Chakrabs, the original crystal sex toy company. You may have seen me share about them on Instagram or in the press because I have, because I love them. (laughs) Vanessa Cuccia, who is the founder of the company, and she was also a guest on this podcast in episode six, she really pioneered the idea of using crystals for heightened sexual and spiritual intimacy. Each chakra is handcrafted from 100% natural crystal, and they're completely body safe, and the store carries a wide array of products that infuse your energetic field with the subtle energy that the crystal of your chakra holds. Using a chakra over time can help build sensitivity and reawaken subtle sensations within your body. Yay! (laughs) I have personally used them for years, and I love their products. 
And over the last few years, I've recommended them to many clients and survivors of sexual trauma, not only for exploring their self-pleasure, but for healing, releasing blockages, feelings held in the body, and rebuilding and reawakening their relationship to sexuality and sensuality over time. And also they are these beautiful objects which you can put like on an altar in some way in your home to really um, embrace them. So use the link in the show notes and the code is Love at checkout to receive a 10% discount in the store. Big love and enjoy. Now back to the episode. Okay, I know we spent all this time talking about magic and we said we're going to talk about like the esoteric meets the erotic. So let's change over to the erotic now. Yay, lovely. Because <laughs> um, I want to hear about what you're working on and also the kink coven and um, kind of your journey and like, yeah, that bridge, right? Between yeah. what we're talking about from the realms of magic to like the realms of the body. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. So you've been such a big, beautiful and important catalyst in this journey for me. So thank you for being part of that bridge. Um, I'm trying to figure out where to start. So I've, I've always been very like interested in sexuality. I've always been very drawn to it, but I grew up very scared of it. Like my sexual journey really didn't begin. It began when I was like 16 and I was like going to metalcore shows and like a groupy light and flirting with a bunch of band dudes who were older than me and that was like what I consider you have to tell us where because (laughs) people are gonna like be interested um this was in Atlanta Georgia this was like so everybody me and Gabby are both Georgia girls Georgia peaches (laughs) that's where I grew up though I'm like it's yeah I'm, I'm originally from California but I spent most of my um adolescent life and in Georgia so yeah I'm a Georgia peach okay cool so you were you were a groupie light. Yeah, I was the, like at a the shows in band Atlanta. girl from like the age of like seventeen to like twenty, and that was a big part of like just my yeah the beginning of my sexual exploration. Um, I dove in headfirst. I like waited a while to kind of begin exploring sex, also because I was like not interested in anybody at my high school, and um, still love older men. So there you go. But I. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I always was drawn to like kink into BDSM, but I didn't really know a lot about it at all. I'm not somebody who watches porn. I get like, I get FOMO from it. I'm like, I want to be doing that crazy stuff. So I just, I don't watch it. I have a very active imagination. Um, But I was like very into the aesthetic of like kink and domination. And um, when I was like in college, I kind of was more introduced to that, but it wasn't until the... Um, retreat I did with you and Blue of Vox Body, where I really kind of began to explore that world. So it was almost like four years ago, maybe five at this point. I think, yeah, I think that was like four years ago. November, maybe. Yeah, and it was November, it was Scorpio season, I yeah. remember. Um, for everyone listening, uh, we did a retreat where, yeah, this incredible practitioner, Blue, um, who I've probably talked about at some point on some podcast that I met through my friend Kip Malone from TV on the radio, an amazing band. He was like, you need to meet her. And, you know, it's like one of those auspicious moments where like someone knows that they're going to introduce you to someone that's going to change your life somehow. Um, anyway, but uh, Blue ended up doing a retreat for us with... Um, rope bondage and suspension work, which is really when you're um, 
tied and you're raised, your body is raised above the ground. So your full weight is resting on ropes and it's a highly, um, you know, you're immobilized and your breath is restricted. And so it can feel incredibly uncomfortable. And you can also push past certain points of pain and enter into states of utter bliss. Yeah. Altered states for sure. Anyways, I want to tell everybody about yeah. that. Okay, keep going. So we had that retreat, which yes. was really fun. And some yeah. of those women are still like in our circle, in yeah. my circle. Your it's circle. really special. Um, so yeah, I was like using the body and rope and bondage um, and consensual torture, which is what Shabari, Shabari was originally, you know, rope bondage as torture. Um, and um, your piece was on sexual shame. And I attended this and wrote about it for nylon and it was the first time I'd ever been tied up though. That was something that I'd been wanting to do first time I'd been suspended. And, um, really the first time, like I met somebody who was a part of the kink world and it was mm-hmm. like, I felt the same way as I felt when I discovered witchcraft when I was like 12, it's like this like trap door opens and you realize there's like a whole other world beyond the world that you live in. Um, and that was a huge, catalyst in my own exploration of kink and after that I started reading books and I started taking classes and started going to um you know classes at like the pleasure chest here in LA which is a great uh sex sex toy store um that also does a lot of really incredible educational classes and workshops Mm -hmm. and such and um slowly started meeting different people in the community and exploring my sexuality. And all this while I was like weaving this into my work with the goddess Venus, who is one of the goddesses that I'm um, devoted to the Roman goddess of love and sex and glamor and beauty. Um, And I, it was the first couple of years were really rough because I'm, I'm not somebody who like dates a ton. I'm very like, selective. I'm not somebody who's in long-term relationships or haven't been and or, you know, um, so it was very weird. It was definitely isolating in a lot of ways. Cause I didn't really know where to go. It was like, I was like, saw this whole world and didn't really know how to, to go through it because I realized that I'm somebody who likes to receive impact or receive these kind of sensations. So like I'm a, what's called a bottom, but I'm also somebody who likes to consensually give their power away. I'm I'm a submissive. And it was a lot of, you know, exploration to let that led to those titles that led to like me accepting the fact that I'm a masochist, that I like pain. Um, But over the past four years, I've definitely been able to like, find the community, connect to myself in that way. And as I'm doing this, this has all tied into my work, worship, and practice with these different goddesses of love and lust. And like what I Mm. call the dark goddess of love, who is the goddess of the love of the shadow, goddess of love of the shadow, of the subversive, of the transgressive. And um, it's been a really big part of my my work with her. And it's been something that's been really inspiring to me because like, I feel like, you know, in the West, there's this idea that sex and spirit are totally separate. But like, if you look at really any ancient tradition, I mean, Buddhist, Hindu traditions, both have Tantra, uh, Kabbalah has a lot of ancient sex magic. Like there's, you know, there's even a sex of like, of Islam, there's um, sex magic involved or using sexual energy as a form of worship and embodiment. And 
I just, you know, there's this point where you realize that like sex and spirit have been separated because when they're together, it's just one of like, it's just so vastly powerful, not only as a means of having you reach these altered states and reach these states of like inner knowing or gnosis, but also as a form of recognizing like the power that comes from the body and the power that's inherent within all of us through pleasure and through these kind of peak ecstatic experiences. Um, so my work with kink is all like devoted to one of the goddesses that I work with. And it has become like a, a big part of kind of the ways that I um, counter the kind of highly masculine, heady, theoretical um, practice of Hermetic Kabbalah and Western, the Western mystery traditions that I'm also a part of. Like I, um, sex magic is a, is a part of that. And even the sex magic within that, like as brought forth through the OTO, which is um, uh, order and a, a, a form of the, like hierarchical and whatever, but it's still very heady. Like, I just feel like for me, working with kink as a form of devotion has been life-changing. Um, and also that, I mean, I, we both have lots of Scorpio placements. I have a Scorpio stellium and an Aquarius stellium. And both of those energies within my chart really pushed me towards breaking the the limits that are, are pressed upon me. And, you know, like I didn't grow up Christian, but I grew up in the Bible Belt as a Mexican Jewish witch. And there was a lot of, um, a lot of just conditioning, even, you know, unintentionally unconscious conditioning around what sex is supposed to be, what pleasure is supposed to be, what love is supposed to be. Um, And I have just really embraced this idea of subverting these norms in a way that feels aligned with, with myself and with my beliefs. Um, And yeah, it's, it's been really, really powerful. Um, And most recently, actually not even that recently, for the past year, um, one of my dear, dear friends, Shade De Amor, who is um, a pro switch and a tantric practitioner, and I have come together and we offer monthly full moon circles, um, which Mm. we call Kink Coven. Mm. And this has been one of the highlights of my um, quarantine adventures because I missed you know, I started going to play parties and sex parties and all that kind of stuff. And there's an element of, you know, like obviously physical touch, but there's also a community, like there's a, a really beautiful kinky community that I'm a part of here in LA. And um, it was really hard to be separated from that kind of embodiment that I, I'd been working towards and practicing for, you know, however many years at this point. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, so King Coven came together both because we felt this yearning for community um, and wanted to do something virtually that people could practice safely. And also because um, I've just, I'm, I have so many friends that are sex workers and I, I, that's just such a big part of the kinky community. And, you know, sex workers are some of the most marginalized um, and oppressed people, especially black trans sex workers. Like it's sex work. It's, it's, it's really, really fucked up. Um, so we saw both this need for this community and this, um, this kind of space in which we could support sex workers through rituals. So I had this idea of, um, using a virtual play party as a way of raising energy for a spell and the spell with the intention of protecting, um, sex workers. So we come together every full moon based on, whatever sign the 
the moon and the sun are in and we pick an archetype, a goddess, a theme. So Sunday's full moon's in Aquarius. Um, so tomorrow for King Coven, we're meeting and we're being guided by the star, which is the tarot card of Aquarius. And I lead breath work and a guided meditation. And we light a candle and through this guided meditation, we meet, we meet this archetype who grants this prayer of protection to sex workers around the world. And we light a candle. We all say um, a prayer together for this um, intention of protection and veiling sex workers in protection. And then we have a play party on Zoom. So some people tie themselves up. Some people do impact play, which is like spanking or flogging. Um, some people do uh, wax play, use candles. Some people smoke weed. Some people dance. Some people have their cameras on. Some people don't. And we use, you know, kink is, it raises energy, especially if you're doing something like impact where you're literally like bringing blood to the surface of skin. Like there, it's an energy exchange. It's a power exchange. So the idea is, you know, in a normal spell or ritual, you're going to be doing something to raise energy, whether that's chanting or dancing or breath work or sex magic or like, like masturbating. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it lends itself to, to kink where there's already this kind of like energy that's being raised. So we raise our energy. Um, and at the end, we send out the energy to sex workers and just like close the ritual. And it has been so powerful and so beautiful and so sacred. And, um, it's also donation based. So it's, if you can't donate, you can still come, but we ask for donations because we donate that money to different, um, sex worker advocacy groups or like, uh, sex worker, um, like funds, um, different kind of organizations that support sex work, decriminalization, and just like the health and safety of sex workers. So like tomorrow we're, um, working with, we're donating the money to, sex workers outreach project, which is a really, really great organization. And they have, a like they have different, um, they have different ones for like different cities, but this one is specifically to help and support incarcerated sex workers. So it's called wow. swap behind bars. They do really great wow. work. Um, so God, I, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, oh the my ideas, gosh. Um, that, you know, like we're doing this thing on the astral plane where we're raising energy. Like that's the energetic part, but like, you know, like we were talking about like, magic if you're doing a spell for a job like it's not enough just to do a sigil for it you have to also like update your resume and apply for jobs so the the donation is kind of like um a physical way to like root that work in in the material plane to help sex workers like you know in the here and now well that's epic and i love you know you've been a writer, you've been an artist, which I hope you use that word often for yourself because you're such an artist. Um, and now you've stepped into the priestess archetype and energy holding space, which is just so lovely to experience um, from the outside and to feel how you're, you know, part of that is we invite other people into our practice. And so it's a very vulnerable place to be, in my opinion, to step into being a priestess publicly or a guide or whatever you want to call yourself, because you're essentially saying, okay, I trust my own vehicle that I've been working on this for so many years. I trust my own channel. I trust my own heart. I trust my own integrity. So, and, and I'm going to now invite all these other people in with their own messy karma and their wounding and their hearts and their dreams and their hopes. And they're going to probably project a lot of that onto me, but also I'm going to help them, you know, kind of like hold it down. And it's, um, 
it's a very vulnerable place to be. And so I commend you for having the bravery to go, okay, I'm going to do that instead of having my practice on my own and kind of just do my own thing, my own rituals, but instead to um, open the doors to my own temple. Because, you know, if we don't, then who? It's like, I remember a few years ago and I was like, okay, I'm going to open to leading moon rituals for moon club. And like, I was like, this is so vulnerable because it's been a part of my practice for over a decade, but I would never have thought to like open it up online or whatever. But because of that, so many other women were sort of, um, gifted that, that, that lineage through me, through my transmission of my body. And so I know that's happening with you, not just women, but all people, um, are coming and are, are getting the transmission from you, the embodied transmission. And so, I mean, I just love how your work, you know, it's like has those two pieces, which is so important for mine as well. And it's like, you know, you have the embodied physical experience and then, yeah, the more abstract or esoteric or spirit based or energy based side. And it's interesting to me because I think that a lot of people who come from the magic world or the spiritual worlds, you know, it's like, what does it look like when we're on the floor rolling around slapping an ass, you know, <laughs> our own or like, you know, making faces and growling and drooling or like, you know, um, really deeply coming into the, the body. And I work with women on this often and, and, and myself because so much of our days are disembodied if we're sitting at the computer, if we're, we have jobs as writers or space holders or whatever. So most of our lives become in this kind of mostly disembodied space where we're just like sitting at a computer and our awareness and our energy is just in the head space. And so I feel like it's just more and more important, even if it's on Zoom, like yesterday I did a practice with a group of women on Zoom um, where I'm, they're watching me and I'm like putting my ass close to the screen and moving it. And like, you know, they're, they're celebrating me. And so it's like, okay, if that's what we have right now in terms of coming together and celebrating bodies and bringing the, the prayer and the worship into the body, it's like, let's do that. Let's not just sit and talk, yeah. you know, let's tie, let's <laughs> sing, let's dance, let's, you know, whatever it is for each person, you know, because you are drawn to the kink space. Someone else may, I don't know, get on Zoom and um, do a, you know, body painting experience mm -hmm. or something. I'm sure that exists, but bringing bringing the practices, the worship, the prayers, the ritual into the embodied experience is, you know, one of my, my fave teachers, who's a, also a sweet white man, Richard Rudd, who um, created the Gene Keys, um, talks about from worship to embodiment, mm -hmm. like that the old way was, oh, we're in the space of worship. And then now we're moving to the it, moving into the space of embodiment, which is essentially pulling worship through our yep, body. Exactly. And I feel like that for me, is like such a, a huge, huge part of why like 
all of my work, whether I'm writing about witchcraft, whether I'm doing kink stuff, like even if it's not something that's like I mentioned or it's not part of it necessarily is like so rooted in the divine feminine. Um, because there is, you know, the, like you said, like this worship, this kind of more patriarchal masculine Western vision of religion is all about transcendence, leaving the body, getting up to the clouds, moving to the, into God, whatever it is, but the divine feminine goddess religion is imminence. It's seeing the divine in everything, which is also very tantric. That's one of the only, you know, there's a lot of different schools of Buddhist and Hindu tantra, and there's lots of different threads. But one of the things they have in common is this idea that the divine is is in everywhere and everything. And I have I feel really, really passionately, especially after, you know, becoming a part of this kind of Western tradition that it's so important to feel things in the body. And it's like, even people like Crowley who, you know, like he worshiped the goddesses that he worshiped. It's like, it was all so heady. And it's like, you know, like it's like so kind of male gazy. It's like also, you know, you worship the goddess, but how do you treat the women in your life? Like that's a direct reflection of it. Yeah. So um, I think that, you know, all those traditions, even when it is worshiping the goddess, like it's about, you know, there's, it's just, it's so in the head. So I, I feel really passionately about, you know, bringing these, these beliefs through the body, feeling it in the body, like weaving those kind of somatic practices and practices yeah. like breath work and movement and like yeah. all that kind of stuff Ecstatic into the body. Dance. Yeah. yeah and all of it. Yeah. Sex and kink are a great way to, to do that. And a kink, I think, especially because it is something that can lead to these altered states. It's like, you don't need to take, listen, I, we're on the same page about psychedelics. I think that taking, working with plant medicine or drugs intentionally and using that as a door to different altered states to a spiritual path is incredibly powerful. And there's a time and a place for that. But like, if you're relying on drugs to get you to an altered state like that, you know, that's where it gets kind of fishy, but you can use the body to reach those altered states. And I think that there's a lot of power in doing that. And there's a lot of catharsis in doing that. And um, yeah, it's like only recently where I've really felt called to kind of like share the goddess energy or this kind of like message of like imminence and embodiment with like more traditionally like masculine people and spaces. And like, I'm just like, I feel like it's time to kind of like evolve that especially the Western mystery tradition, that current that has been brought forth mostly by men to like, to something that is felt as much as it is thought about. Cause like I said, you can't, you can't think your way to healing and you can't think your way to the goddess. No, all of that is so true. And so for people, especially that maybe feel a bit intimidated or overwhelmed by the idea of kink or sex magic, you know, I think, that can sound scary. I mean, even I've been in relationships where I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm kinky. And you know, it's like, I'm hi, I'm queer. You know, I've been in long-term relationships with women and I'm also psychedelic and I'm also kinky. You know, it's like, uh, like it can, I think freak people out if they've never, you know, perhaps had an experience with any of those things, right? Whether it's like, oh, you're into psychedelics, but that person has never had that experience or, oh, you're queer. And that person is like very, very hetero, never maybe even kissed a person of the same sex. Of course, that can call forth a lot of insecurity or doubt, right? So if you're listening and you're like, oh my God, kink, what the hell does that mean? And it kind of freaks me out and it scares me and da, 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 then that's par for the course of your conditioning, 
So you're responding totally fine because you've been programmed to respond a certain way, which is by seeing crazy movies with like dungeons and ropes and chains and like, you know, kind of you know, druggy, punky people who are the outliers of society and da 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 So part of that conditioning, I don't think will ever fully go away. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I trigger people that um, are freaked out by some of that conditioning and I feel like I'm pretty palatable. Um, but, you know, but I still do freak some people out. Thank God. Otherwise, I've yeah. totally lost my head. Um, <laughs> But I'd love to hear kind of a little bit of like, you know, for those people that are new and who would maybe be like, why kink and what it, what would it bring them and how could they enter into it gently? Um, I feel like there's, I have two parts to the answer and I've just managed to forget one of them. So I'll just start with what I remember. Um, air sign problems. I, I think for me, what kink brings is it brings a vulnerability and honesty um, and an awareness of your desires because it is something that is rooted in consent. It's rooted in negotiation and it's rooted with knowing yourself and what you like. Um, and so much of our conditioning sexually is about not willingly going into those depths and exploring what turns you on. Um, there's a lot of shame in a lot of that. And I mean, also kink is like Kink is something that's been pathologized and it's something that was illegal and could get you arrested for a long time. Like being gay was like, these are things that are literally, you know, like I think it was only the past 10 or it was, I think the past 10 years that uh, the DSM took out uh, masochism and sadism and sadomasochism from like being a disease. Um, So, which have you seen a dangerous method with, um, I haven't. Kira Knightley and um, what's his face? Not Viggo Mortensen. Skarsgård. Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, I haven't. He plays Jung and Viggo Mortensen plays Freud. And Kira Knightley is like, you know, the the highly like fucked up girl who loves to be spanked. (laughs) I love it. So talk about pathologizing spanking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, more on that later. There's just, um, I, I think that giving yourself permission to have your desires met is a, is a big thing. And obviously like, you know, kink takes place between two consenting adults, but what take, there's nothing wrong with any of that. Like you can, it's a space where you can really own your erotic self in a way that is not celebrated in a lot of other spaces. So um, I think that that's really empowering to, to not only recognize your desires, but to claim them and to claim them in a space where you are honored, you are respected and you are cared for before and after doing those things. Um, Like there's so much more consent and safety in kink spaces than there are outside of it because such a big part of it is, is negotiation. You literally create a container, what's called a scene when you're, if you're practicing risk-aware kink, um, which is, you know, and obviously this is, it's dangerous stuff. It's literally like kink is rooted. It, it has come from torture. It is transmuting things that were unconsensually painful and horrible into something that is empowering, which is literally alchemy. Um, so it is, and it's, I would argue that it is a magical act, whether or not somebody's engaging it, in it with, with it in that way. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of people like kink really is anything that's just not, heteronormative 
vanilla sex. So anything outside of like yeah. a man and woman having missionary sex uh, really can be, can be kinky. And obviously there's a lot of layers to that, but mm-hmm. I know in my own life, giving myself permission to claim the title of like um, submissive, that's been a big thing for me over the past couple of years or really past, yeah, past couple of years. Like it, it's like, um, it allows a deeper sense of self because there's not this kind of repression with these feelings. There's a celebration mm-hmm. and there's a, a community that can support you. But I, I think something that's really important to think about or to keep in mind is that like, this is how I feel specifically with kink, but also with like a lot of other stuff is like, if I'm having a really intense reaction to something. So like, I don't know, like if I, um, somebody's like, I want to, you know, somebody's into golden showers or peeing. And I'm like, oh my God, fuck no. That's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. If I have an intense, intense reaction, that's a no. I personally am like, I'm going to examine that because a lot of the times when we have those intense reactions, it's like something that ends up being like a big kink for us or something that can really be like a powerful exploration. Um, And there's a lot of magic. Can you tell us one of yours, please? Um, so sure. you have like a really re- violent reaction to it. Um, I was talking to this guy recently on an app and he told me he had a cum fetish and I was like, Oh God, I don't like that. And then I felt like the kombucha girl. Cause like, Oh, Ooh. Uh, mm. And I was like, actually, no, that's like, wait, what kombucha girl? The, the, the meme that com- it's, she, oh. her name is a kombucha girl. It's like, she tries oh. kombucha and she like, she like goes through all of these reactions because she doesn't okay. know how she feels about it. Okay, uh, got it's got pretty got funny. It, but okay. like I went through all these, you know, I was like, oh God, that's gross. And I was like, wait, I think that's gross. And then I thought about it. I was like, actually, you know what? I'm like kind of into that. So that's just, you know, one example yeah. where it's like, yeah. like, actually I do want you to cover me in your, in your, in other men's come. Thank you. Um, so, <laughs> but I feel like a lot, yeah, a lot of the times those, you know, the things that kind of like, trigger us in that way are things that we need to examine. Um, So like, you know, one of the ways that almost I feel like any kind of kink educator, sex educator will tell you to begin this journey besides like reading books and taking classes is through creating what's called a yes, no, maybe list, which is a list of things that you know you're into, spanking, making out slowly, whatever it is, right? Things that you know you're definitely not into. For me, like that's like, uh, like, scat. I don't want to fuck with somebody's literal shit. I'm good. Um, that would go in the no list. And then the maybe list would be things that you're not super sure about, but maybe that you kind of like are, are into. And what that really does is first off, just like taking that time to like do the introspection of thinking about your desires is automatically going to open the door to you having a deeper relationship with those desires. And by like writing it out, like you, you're, taking it out of the internal world and having this list and you're just, you know, it's something that you're meant to add to and to think about. And it can also give you um, kind of a jumping off point for exploration, either with yourself or with your partner. So like, um, you know, maybe on your maybe list, like for me, it was like calling men daddy. I'm like, okay, well, I don't really like being like, not really huge into age play, but I like being called a good girl. So it's like, there's, you know, there's a lot of wiggle room. You're like, maybe there's some place to, you know, I could try it. Yeah. Like, and I've done that and I know I like it. Like I'm not, you know, it's like DDLG is like Dom daddy, little girl. Like I don't do that, but I like do like Dom daddy, like good girl. I'm like, I want to be like an adult, but I also want to be a good girl for daddy. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, There's, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, like, yeah, so that's a great, I love that, that exercise in a way. And there's some online where you can like actually, 
I've, I've done before, like with a partner where you uh, have like a long list where you write what yes, no, maybe by like, you know, a thousand things. It takes a long time and it's actually kind of intense because it's like a psychological journey. You're like, yeah, how do I feel about that? Yeah, Um, but it's so open. It's like so eye opening. Yeah. You could probably Google like kink, um, checklist or something like that. And, um, and that's definitely a fun way to start. And you could sit and do that with your partner together and go, okay, like, let's just see what we're both into. Are there anything that are like yeses or maybes for both of us that mm-hmm. we actually haven't done before? And why yeah, not? Exactly. You know? I think, um, I know Pleasure Chest has the yes, no, maybe list. I think the, maybe they'll have it on this on their site. And there's also like the BDSM test. They think it's literally like bdsmtest.com or .org or something. Um, and it like, it is like, are you into this? Are you into this? And it'll like be like, okay, like you're a sadist. You like, uh, you like primal play. You Ooh, like cool. this, you like that. So that's also a fun way to kind of like, you know, it's online quizzes are fun. They're kind of eye opening and they give you kind of, um, a good, a good road, a road, good roadmap. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, and there's so much more to this topic. Obviously <laughs> like we're just kind of like scratching the surface um obviously magic and kink are two areas of reality and practice that you know you could study for many many years and practice for many many years and um yeah I'm just excited that you're writing another book two books yeah two books oh my god (laughs) you're amazing thank you you're amazing I'm so excited for when the winner are there any release dates on the horizon um so the book Sacred Sex is about sacred sexuality. There's chapters on kink and goddesses, all that fun stuff. That'll be out next summer. And then I'm also working on a book on the divine feminine called Goddess Energy, but I have some other stuff in the works. So I think that's going to be pushed back probably to like early 2023, I think. So yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I'm so glad we got to talk and obviously we could keep talking for a <laughs> long time, but I'll let you go. Um, and so everybody follow Gabby on Instagram A because her art is incredible. And I'm going to call it art, not just digital content, but art. Who She's been making gorgeous art, photography, just beautiful scenes, costumes, drama, magic, glamour for so long. And um, also get her first two books or two books and two journal so yes. three books um and then go to the kink coven and just yes. try it and if, if, yes. if you get freaked out put your um camera off and take a deep yeah. breath <laughs> yeah kink coven is for any level of kink or sex which 18 plus obviously but um it's really like it's really just a meditation and then you gotta be as kinky or not as you want you can have your yeah. ma- you can have your camera off so it's like meet us where you're at there's no pressure at all with it Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And um, we'll put all of the links here for the, in the Yay. show notes too for people to find you. I'm so glad to see you. And I'm you so too. happy that things are, I mean, just continue to open. And I like wanted to tell this story of when we went to that Tantra <gasps> movie screening. <laughs> and, and we walked out because oh it, so it was funky. just, it was like, it was so like, just like watered down Neo Tantra. It's like slow sex with eye contact is not Tantra. It's and they so... were showing us a movie that was like, what, from 19, like 80? It was, it was literally just couples fucking, which is and like. We're in a room with strangers, with, yeah. with strangers older who were strangers. probably older than yeah, us. Definitely. And so somebody's house, like we paid money for it too. 
And this was from what meetup or something. But this is me and LA when I moved to LA. I was like going to all of the sort of tantra meetups. And stuff. I'm like Gabby, will you come with me? Let's see how this. Was. We like smoked a joint in my car. It was terrifying, which is the yeah. best part. But it was terrifying. Good story. Yeah. So it was worth it. Oh my gosh! But we also like we saw Wild at Heart in person, oh. which was. Such a life gorgeous changing. Song. And a love witch. And a love witch. Also so life changing. So I know. Good. Those are I mean, those are kind of like really seminal, like uh, iconic kind of LA movie nights, which yeah, I me miss. Too. Oh, so I miss I'll have you. Is it? Yes, please do. And we also went to Elizabeth Taylor's grave together. <gasps> yeah, I do remember that. It was like right before New Year's, I think, too. I think it was, yeah. Like on New, New Year's, New Year's, Year's Eve or something. Oh. Yeah. So I love that about you that you're like down to have those oh. very kind of like glamorous. Oh, big iconic moments where mm. like adventure is on the horizon. I think that I need more of that in my life. And the I, only I way to live, the only way I to know. live. Oh, I know. He, now it's just, I've been doing it more in nature. So it's oh, like so, kind of so equally special. amazing, but like, I also love this sort yeah. of like the fact that we like, I think we like hopped the, the, the fence to go to Clark Gable's screen. <laughs> I had such a, <gasps> such a, tingling in between my legs for Clark Gable even though <laughs> apparently he was super misogynistic but yeah. he was a sexy man the way mm-hmm. that he you know carried um, Scarlet down the stairs and gone with the wind I mean, <laughs> talk about daddy moves yeah truly there's some good ones in there oh, I love you and I'm I just wishing you. you all of the best and everybody please go follow Gabby and buy her books and support this gorgeous revolutionary visionary being Oh, thank you so much. See you again so soon, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo. And you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review. Give us a five-star rating. All that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.